Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. All right, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Husband! Wife! Do you know where the hell we are? We are in Song of Solomon. and Solomon songs? We just did our first week of it. So like Song we finished, of songs? Yeah, Canticles, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it's called. Song of Solomon. Yeah, go on. But we just did our first week, mm-hmm. and we finished that first week mm-hmm. of that erotic poem. Mm-hmm. And so that means we're starting our second week mm-hmm. of Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And I think we ended last week with chapter five. That's correct. Which means that today we'll be going over... Song six. Of Song of Solomon. Canticles. Song of Songs. All that shit. All right, let's do this. Okay. 
Song six. Song six. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Where has your beloved gone? Most beautiful of women. Do you remember what happened last time? Yeah, she was searching for him. And then the and guards then, got her and beat her up. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, where, oh, where? So we're just picking right up where we left today? off. Yeah. Okay, all right. But now he's looking for her. Where you at, bitch? <laughs> Most beautiful of women. Where you be? Okay, all right. Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? Oh, wait. No, no it's no. still the woman. Yeah, I was going to say it sounded like it was the woman when okay. it started. but I'm sorry. I get them confused. <laughs> you know, him, her, whatever. Right, right. So, okay, yeah. She's looking for him, and this is the singers, the chorus. And they're like, okay. searching high, searching low, where he be, we don't know. <laughs> My beloved, she says, has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. Hmm. Okay. Is he browsing other women? I don't know. What That's what browsing. it sounds like to me. It kind of sounds that way to me, but I, I don't right? know. Like, but she doesn't seem very upset about it, so maybe not. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's just confident. She's like, he's going to come back to me. He's in his garden. Right. I mean, before the garden was like her lady garden. And right. now the garden is, is somewhere else. So it sounds like it's somebody else's lady garden. I mean, that's I what know. it sounds like to me. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't I know. I could be wrong about that. We but. could be wrong. They could just flip back and forth to like pretend garden to real garden. Sure. Yeah. But but it's, it's definitely a garden. It's a garden. <laughs> you are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem. As majestic as troops with banners. That is how a man would describe a woman, isn't it? That's how a woman's describing a man. Is it? Yes, it's still the woman talking. She's calling him beautiful. Yeah. I don't... Then you never switched to the man talking about her. Unless Um, it just came out of nowhere. I think it's him. I think it's him. All right. Hold on, let me check. Let me check my notes, because I need to know. I need to know. Okay, well... Well, yeah, this is him. No, this is him. Starting okay. at verse four, which is where I am. It's him. Again. Got it. Okay. So I Sorry, was like, I was confused. Because a, a woman would never ever describe a man as um, you're as beautiful as a fucking army. Okay, that's 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 fair. But a man. But why would, would a man? I mean, I can't see being a man describing a woman as majestic as a banner. Because the only thing men know is war and okay. fighting and manly car things. You know, <laughs> like. If you're a real man, you have nuts hanging off the back of your pickup truck. She's as beautiful as that battleman I built last week. Yeah, and guns. She's right. as pretty as a gun, a fucking gun, yeah. you know? She's she's as, her voice is as lovely as the woofers and tweeters in my car that make it bounce, <laughs> you know? Because I only know men things. Right, right. So, yeah, this is a man okay. describing a woman. All right, sorry. You are as beautiful as Terza. You know, this is a city, my darling. As mm-hmm. lovely as Jerusalem. Another, You're pretty as a city. Right. What? Yeah. As majestic as troops with banners. Hmm. See? Yeah, he's not very good at this. No, he's he bad at it. He needs to work on it. his uh, poetry here. I mean, before he said she had goat hair. Right, know? yeah. Thank God. And, and beautiful teeth. Right. Fucking, I love your teeth, God damn it. <laughs> Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Stop looking at me. You got the bug eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Ghostbusters. Got it. 
Janine, you got the bug eyes. <laughs> Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. See, she's always got that goat hair. Yeah. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Right. Again with yeah. the the sheep white teeth. Right. Each has its twin. Not one of them is missing. You used the same words before. Mm-hmm. This is the, almost you exactly know why? the same. You know why? Because here's what happened. He's like, hey, friend, you're my friend. Or like his sister or his cousin that's a girl, right? And, yeah. And he's like, tell me some good words because all I know is fucking war and castles and battles. And... So this is just like his memorized spiel? Yeah. So Got he's it. like, tell me something pretty to say. And she, she was like busy, like washing clothes or something and she's like i don't know tell her her hair is as pretty as something that you find pretty and he's like goats and she's like <laughs> sure goats and then like compliment something else that's pretty on her like why do you think she's pretty and he's like she's got really white teeth and the friend or cousin or whatever is like oh my god i can't help you i'm busy go away <laughs> and so then he's like that's all i know i only know your hair is goaty and your teeth are sheepy. Right. And that, that's all you get for compliments. Except for that you look like a city. And you look like a city. And, <laughs> and you stand tall like like you're marching off to war. Right. See? Yeah. That's what happened. Okay. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Oh, yeah. We got that one already, too. Yeah. He's so unoriginal. Yeah, it's the same stuff. 60 queens there may be and 80 concubines and virgins beyond... I fuck so many people. <laughs> I am married to 60 women right now at this counting. Right. And I have 80 concubines you, that just lay darling. around for, for fucking. But you, darling, you're the one. And I also, I, I fuck virgins. Yeah. That don't even get to be, like, once I pop their virginity, I'm done with them. Because mm-hmm. they don't even get to come back for more and, and be concubines. Right. My dove, my perfect one, is unique. Mm. I don't believe, you know, if somebody has, let's see, 60 plus, that's, that's, uh, that's 140 at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. So somebody that's has officials, a, somebody that could go out and just fuck 140 other women. I'm not going to take much. Plus virgins. You know, yeah. I'm not going to believe them about what they think of me. Right. Because you're just telling that to all the other 140 women. Right. You know. No, you tell that to everybody, whether they're part of your right, 140 right. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever you come across. Because. She's a that's, virgin. That's why he's using the same words because he's he's like, this is my memory spiel. I'm gonna get it, some. It always I'm gonna works. get some this way. Yeah, it's gonna happen. He's just using this because he likes virgins more than the honey hundred and forty he got at right, home. Right, right. And she's a virgin. So when he says, "I get lots of virgins, but you, you're the best virgin." Right. That's what's happening. He's yeah. a virgin chaser. He's gross. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was already gross, but now he's really gross. Right. Right. You're unique. The only daughter of her mother. The favorite of the one who bore her. The young women saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines praised her. <laughs> My entire horde of women. They, they all praise you. They think you're cool. Yeah. Who is this that appears like the dawn, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars in procession? I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. Come back, come back, O Shalamite, Shulamite. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Manaheim? Mahanim. Yeah. 
That's it. Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I ended on a. I can't say that so, word. So, so he's he's like he's enthralled with this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's fine. But apparently, this is it's just going to be short lived. You know, like this is just a this mm-hmm. is just a tryst. It's like it's nothing it's a big. Tryst. I love that word. So it because he's he's got 140 other women in the wings. And that's not counting the people that he'll come across tomorrow or the next day. You know what's gross is that he told her this and she still wants him. Right. Yeah. How sad that she really believes that, you know, but I can change him and I'm special. Well, I mean, for upward mobility, maybe it's the only way to move yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like he's picking out these women that he deems beautiful and maybe that helps them socially or like she gets to wear economically or something like that. She gets to wear a pin that says I got shagged by the king. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's great. Um, So you got any other notes or anything else to go over today with regard to this? Well, yeah, let's talk about this chapter. All right. right. Yeah. Let's talk about this chapter. Sure. This chapter contains a dialogue between the daughters of Jerusalem and the woman about the man, followed by the man's descriptive poem, again, the unoriginal words yes. of the woman. And it ends with a collective call to the woman to return. Come back. Come right. Back. Yeah. So this, as we pointed out, is a continuation from chapter five. And the daughters of Jerusalem agree to look for the man. Okay. Okay. All right. And so. Um, the man being Solomon, who yeah. has 140 other fucking women. Right. Right. Okay. Um. Then we move into the next part, like the next couple verses, and um, the woman affirms her her love for him, and when she she finds him enjoying his garden, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like he's enjoying that garden that mm, he's in. Yes, I bet he is. Um, now verses four through ten, as I said, were the man describing the woman, uh-huh, okay, right. which we we soon came to a- agreement on. Yeah. When he started using his unoriginal words. Right. And then this, once again, um, whoever wrote these notes on this, um, they really, really, really want us to take it to heart that this demonstrates the heart of the song that values the body as not evil, but good, even worthy of praise and respects the body with an appreciative focus rather than lurid. I, I, we have read again, that bit in every chapter. Right, I, I think that's the running theme. But mm-hmm. like at the same time, how much is it? I mean, obviously, King Solomon appreciates lots of women's bodies. Right. So, and that I mean, how, how I'm taking this kind of with a grain of salt. Like, yeah. Um, okay. So King Solomon obviously had an eye for women. You he know? had an eye for pussy. Is right. What he had an right, eye for. Yeah. That's not the same thing as valuing the artistic uh, appreciating the artistic value of a woman's body that's but different at the same time i do want to recognize that in the bible this is unique it so, is unique. at least thus sure. far so yeah yeah you know that that that's something anyway. i do agree with you that it is unique it just i don't think that a man that fucks a woman willy-nilly all over the goddamn place and has multiple wives and multiple concubines don't tell me he values women's bodies. He he loves the human, the feminine physique. Like right. no, he right. likes poo nanny. Right. He likes to drown in pussy. He he's a fuck boy. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not the same. And they're trying to tell me it is, and I'm here to tell you it ain't. Right. But having yeah, yes, I completely agree. Okay. 
Thank you. I was just going to reiterate the same thing I'd already said. And I'm not going to do that. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> so remember when he went to go check on his nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember when he went to go check on his nuts. So that was probably walnuts. Okay. FYI. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. What kind of nut? A walnut. Why was it wal? What is? Does that matter? Some does that it, matter? It doesn't so much as that they're they. Just, I mean, I could like, go for some walnuts right now. Actually, I know, right? That sounds, that sounds delicious. Good. Yeah. Let's get some walnuts. We to should. Snack on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next time we go grocery. We were just shopping. talking about walnuts last week. Actually, were we? Yeah. Yeah, our kid was bringing it up as to <gasps> That's something. That's right. I didn't realize you were there yeah. for that conversation. Yeah, they said that at the other house they get they get um, walnuts to snack on regularly. And I was like, that didn't occur to me. Let's get walnuts to snack on regularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like walnuts. Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely better than truck nuts. Definitely better than truck nuts. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Agree. We're doing so much agreeing today. Mm, I like that's scary. that. scary. Yeah. Is it scary? We always agree. <laughs> I just like it when we agree. Right. Okay. Final note is the Shulamite. Mm-hmm. They're at the end. Yep. And I was like. What's that? And right. And how do you pronounce it and everything? Well, no, that <laughs> that was that name that I said, Mannheim, but oh, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it was, man, what, sure, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. It wasn't Mannheim and it wasn't anything right. else. Yeah. Okay. No, the Shulamite is the name for the bride, which only occurs here in the whole book. Okay. They never say Shulamite again. Okay. And it's not a proper name because it, like the first time he says, hey, Shulamite. And that could be a proper name, right? But then later on, um, like a couple sentences later, he says, the Shulamite. And the word the is an article, okay? Yeah. Like if you say a box or right, right. the food. Sure. You know? Yep. Um, those are articles. And that means that it's like a noun, not a name. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so it can, um, it, it means more like that it's it's a person he was referring to, not by name. Um and likely it can be interpreted as a maiden of Shulam, like a city. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And it could be how the courtiers called her because they didn't know her true name. So they used the name of the village near where, where they were loved. when they saw her. Or, okay. Or right. yeah. something like that. Yeah. So they're like, we don't know. We're looking for the Shulamite. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they referred to her. Got it. But that's not her name. Okay. Well, we can call her that if we want. <laughs> hey, Shulamite, what up? Right. Have you found your nut man? Right. He's in the lilies. He's fucking. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. in the garden. Right. Hey, Shulamite, how you doing? <laughs> so that's all I got. That's all you got? That's all I got. Okay. So that's our notes and uh, the chapter on uh, Song of Solomon, chapter six. Song six. Song six. And we will be back tomorrow with... Song seven. So Yeah, that's the one. All right, we'll see you guys then. Okie dokie, bye. Bye. Husband. Wife. Do you remember where the hell we are and what happened to get here? We are in Song of Solomon, and if I recall correctly, uh, yesterday Solomon was fucking around with his like uh, his uh, other wives and, and other concubines and... Well, I don't Things know like if, that, maybe. I don't know if that's what was happening, but it sure read that way. It he sure was, read that way. He was flogging the lilies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't seem to care. She she's she's like she still loves him. She does still love him. Yeah. She wants him bad. Right. Except for when she doesn't. 
Right. Yeah. Kind of like a soap opera in a way. It is a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, yesterday. We read Song of Solomon chapter six, mm-hmm. which means that today we're going to be getting into Song seven of Solomon's Song of Songs, Canticles, which are canticles and things, and, and yeah, erotic Song poetry. Of Solomon. Let's go. Erotic poetry. Okay, song seven. You ready for this? I'm ready for this. How beautiful your sandaled feet, O oh prince's daughter. Okay, so it's the, it's Solomon here. Singing to a girl. Right. Um, it's actually a continuation from yesterday's chapter. He's still talking at her, saying, you got them goat, wife, white. Yeah, and the sheepy teeth. teeth and... The sheepy teeth and the, the goaty, the goat <laughs> hair. You look like a city. Yeah. You, yeah. Yes. I forgot about that. You look like a city. Right. You built like a brick house, bitch. We built this city. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's actually not bad. You look like rubies. You walking around on rubies. I'm just saying compared to comparing her to a city mm. and sheep or and battlement. Goats. Yeah. Well, the battlement was all me. That wasn't the book. Um, no, you're right. He was comparing her necklace to shields. Right. Yeah. 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 Your navel is a rounded goblet mm. that never lacks blended wine. Wow. Hmm. I guess. Okay. I mean, that, I thought your navel was your belly button. Right. So he's saying that. Maybe he's putting some, you know, blended wine in there and, you know. And it just stays there forever. It just stays huh? there, yeah. That's grody. I don't know. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. I, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that description, but okay. I mean, it sounds like it's supposed it's a to des- be good. It's a I description. just don't understand it. Yep, it's a thing. Your breasts, like I've told you before, you know, yeah, are like two fawns. Like twin fawns of a gazelle. There we go. Repeating. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can't think of new things to say about them so titties. So fawns, yeah. Titties, fawns, titties, fawns. That's all I got. <laughs> Your neck is like an ivory tower. It was like uh, David's tower before. It was. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But now it's an ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, David's tower maybe was maybe made it of was ivory. Maybe it wasn't Yeah, it could so. be. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath. Rabin. I can't speak to whether that's good or bad. So, <laughs> I mean, anytime you say somebody's eyes are like pools, yeah, that's a good compliment. Sure. Either either you're saying that they're a gorgeous shade of blue, or you're saying that they're deep. No, I'm sure it was meant as a compliment. I just I can't speak to it because I don't know of that. But I can say that comparing her to a city is probably not the best move, man. Or goats, or yeah, sheep, right. Or... So like he's not known for like, in my opinion, these aren't the best. You know, they're not the best compliments. Right. You're right. Your nose, here we go. Okay. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Hmm. Again, I'd have to see this tower, but but anytime you compare someone's nose to a tower, you're calling I think her you a already honker. started off on you already started off on the wrong foot. You're seeing girl got a honker. She looks like <laughs> Gizmo. <laughs> you're Wait, Gizmo. No, not Gizmo. Um Gonzo. Oh, okay. I was like, who the? F- you t- I was thinking like the cute, short little the the, the gremlin, gremlin guy. guy. Yeah, yeah I'm like, no, That's... no. I meant the guy from the Muppets. Okay, 
Yeah, Gonzo. Gonzo. Got it. Yeah. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Nice head. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that head really uh, sits on your body fine there. Mm -hmm, Yeah. I like the way your head sits there. I think, honestly, there was probably such a lack of... uh, Words? Yeah, things to compare (laughs) to back then that just if you said something, it was like, oh, he's trying really hard here. It's like if you you were like... A for effort. your, Your one thing is like... You're one thing. Yeah. And they were like, it is, though. You're so perceptive. It's amazing. You do good poetry. Yeah. Your shoe is like another thing that goes on your foot. Yeah. That's not a shoe. Right. That's that's deep, man. That's so meta. (laughs) (laughs) Your hair is like a royal tapestry. Mm, okay, Okay. Okay. Lots of different colors. It's better than and, goats. And so pictures. Yeah. I actually like. Baby, does my hair remind you of a royal tapestry? I can't say that it does, but I haven't seen a lot of royal tapestries. So, that I mean, was, I'm just saying. Okay, you're giving this guy shit. He's actually trying to woo her. <laughs> I like teed you up a softball, and yeah. you couldn't even hit it. Fucked that one up hard. You threw the bat into the audience. I sure did. I why? Sure did. Yeah, why? With, with the ball, even. But why? Why did, did you? Speaking do that? of which, did you see the video of this woman? They found her apparently, but she was like, there was a ball being tossed to, into the stands at a baseball game, and this woman literally ripped the ball out of a kid's hand, like this little girl's hand, and she's like almost in tears. Oh, wow. And then, so it's it's a thing now, apparently. That happens every year, it seems like, but usually it's a dude, and then. Like, he gets caught on camera, and then he, like, gives it back to the kid. Right. Or, like, a bunch of bigger, tough guys come and take it from him, and are like, <laughs> seriously, you're going to take a fucking ball from a kid, huh? Right. You, you big man. Well, I mean, they were both going for it, but at one point, the ball ended up in her hands, and that's when she ripped it out of her hands. And it's, like, the woman... You said her hands. Sorry, no. She ripped it the out older of her... One, the older woman had it. Like, she was reaching out to grab it, and then it kind of fumbled, fumbled it, and then when she fumbled it, it ended up in the little girl's hand. Oh. And when it ended up in the little girl's hand, she just reached in and grabbed it and yanked it out. Oh, my God. Right? That's I'm so... like, no, you just let the little girl fucking have it. Yeah. That like, was... that's not, there's not even a question there, is there? I don't think so. That's horrendous. You're a heartless bitch. You need the ball. And you know what sucks? That Karen-ass bitch, she's going to go home with that fucking baseball, and she's not going to do anything with it. Right. And she's going to keep looking at it. And it's going to be, like, in her way, and she's going to toss it in the trash or put it out in the fucking next year's garage sale. Yeah, I'll try to find a link to the video because I was just, I was, I just saw it in passing. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't watch those because they make me so angry for the human race. Like, she doesn't even want the ball. She just wants it because somebody else wants it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Clearly. Because if she was in her right fucking mind, there's no way that she would literally take that out of a child's hand. Look, I would love to catch a baseball at a baseball game, but it's not going to come at the expense of a little kid. Right? Like, if it comes right to me and I snag it, that's mine. Right. But that's the only time at this point in my life that I'm getting a fucking baseball at a baseball game. Right. It's got to come to me. Yeah. I'm not fighting a goddamn kid. No. No. Because, you know why? Because you're decent. And because you do have hair like a tapestry. (laughs) Nice way to bring it back. Yeah, Mm -hmm, that was good. mm -hmm, Yeah. The king is held captive by its tresses. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The the king's like, nice hair. Right. And the the guy's like, nice tapestry. (laughs) See? See? Yeah. 
how beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with your delights. Oh, mm. afternoon delight. <laughs> your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts. Ooh, boobies again. Like clusters of fruit. Ooh, you got the lumpy boobies. I feel like that's better though than than the fawns. It is, but the he's clusters saying, of fruits. Right, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Instead of like a nice ripe coconut, he's saying, "Ooh, you got them lumpy titties." Right, right. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, like I'm thinking, like pineapple. You know, like that would be bad. That would be bad. I mean, size look, wise, good. Look, I'm not I guess, trying to shade but, anybody you know. who has lumpy titties because I have lumpy titties. Like they're fibroid, and <laughs> you know. It, that's not fun. Right, okay? right. So I'm just like not trying. I, I'm I'm sharing. I'm oversharing because it suddenly occurred to me that people might think I'm making fun of people with lumpy titties. Mm. And I'm not. No, I have lumpy no, titties. Yeah. But I would not be happy if you were like, babe, your lumpy titties are just like a clump of fruit. <laughs> I would be like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. These titties are not for you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, breasts like clusters of fruit. Right. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. Mm. That's in quotes because he said. But yeah. that he said it. He's, yeah. I am going to grab those titties so yeah, goddamn hard. Yeah. I'm going to yank them right off the tree. Right. Ooh, don't do don't, that. Yeah, don't do that. That's not don't good. Don't do that. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine. The fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. You know, like that shit I put in your belly button. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Make sure you save some of it for your breath. Clusters of grapes on the vine. It's just, uh, that doesn't work in my head for breasts. No. Even if you took them off the vine and clumped them up and stuff, it'd still be lumpy. Unless you're talking about, okay, unless you're talking about... That girl has itty bitty titties because she's only like 12, which is gross, right? Like that's gross. Right. Or you're saying that those grapes are so goddamn huge, they look like tits. I mean, maybe they made better, bigger grapes back then. I don't know. I'm just saying those are the only two ways that grapes can be compared to tits. Maybe maybe the Israelites had, you know, boob sized grapes. Or grape-sized boobs. That would be amazing. Wouldn't wouldn't you like a boob-sized grape? No, I would not. You wouldn't? I no. Think, I think I might. I think that the middle of it would be too mushy or liquidy. Oh, I love that part, though. No, but I mean, I think I think it wouldn't go well. I think it wouldn't be good. Oh, okay. All right. I think that it would go But if it was like first. just like a grape, like if it stayed okay. the if, right consistency and everything, you know. If it was consistent with grapes as we know them today, then yeah. yes. I would like tit-sized grapes. Okay. All right. Fair you enough. know what? I would also like grape-sized tits <laughs> because how much easier was life when I was flat-chested it's, it's than it is now? a lot less to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, before I had children, I was so flat-chested that I could wear a sweater in the middle of winter, and you couldn't tell that I didn't have a bra or anything on underneath because I was just so flat. Right. Like, it didn't matter. Yeah. And there was no jumping up and down and shaking and hurting and going on rides at the amusement park <laughs> and them swinging back and forth and bouncing on shit. Right. No, there was none of that stuff. Right. Oh, I would love me some grape-sized titties. Just so we're saying. <laughs> you know? All right. So may the wine from your belly button, you know? Yeah. That wine goes straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. Mm. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. 
I belong to my beloved. This is her now. Okay. And his desire is for me. She belongs to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, technically, I would say that's probably correct. Yeah. He's a king. He owns a lot of women. He is a king. There's no coming down from that. Right. Yeah. Come, my beloved. Let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. Mm. There I will give you my love. Oh, yeah, he is. He's going to give some love. No, she's going to give him oh, some she's gonna, love. Oh, she's going to give yeah, some love. Yeah, oh, okay, she's okay. like, remember when you were talking about all them grapes and shit? Right. And how Got my me kind of horny here. My you know? temples have pomegranates or whatever. Right. We're going to go down to the vineyards where yeah. all those fruity things are mm-hmm. that you compared me to. And there I will give you my love. Right. The mandrakes send out their fa- fragrance. And at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved. Mm. It's good to be king, the I end. guess. The end. Good to be king. I guess it is. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Not me either. Not being a king. Yeah. But I will tell you this. Okay, that's the end of chapter seven. Right. Um, this chapter is a poem which the man it starts out with the man describing the woman, and you know, we got that. Sure. Um and then the second part is the woman's voice issuing an invitation to the man. So right. We got that as well. Okay. Um now the first part where the man is talking. Um, he's calling out to the woman, the Shulamite, if we yeah, recall right. from last time. He wants her to dance, and then he describes her body from head to toe. Yeah. Mm, yum, yeah. yum, yum. Sure did. And then he, he closes with a response indicating male desire. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, this is this descriptive poem by the man still belongs to the previous section, previous chapter. Okay. Where right. he was talking about desire and love in the country and all that shit. Right. Okay. This apparently goes on until chapter eight, verse four. Oh. So okay. Tomorrow we'll still We're have pick more. right back up on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But in the last few verses it's the woman and it's springtime and she's talking about love and flowers and shit. And she seductively invites the man to go outdoors. Yeah. Where the woman will then give herself to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This isn't. I mean, I've I thought they had sex before already. Like this, 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 this is multiple times, right? That's what it feels like. It feels like um, he's like, "Come and get it," and she's right? like, "Come and get it." Yeah. And then they're like, either hit and miss, or they're like every night. Right. Right. And like, I can't get enough of this. Well, I mean, he was talking about all the women that he has at one point. Somebody was talking about all the women that he had at one point in this mm-hmm. poem. And I just get the impression that this is his newest one, and he's, like, all enthralled, and that's all this is right, right now. Right, like his newest conquest. Yeah. His newest notch in the belt. You right. Know? And obviously she's enjoying it right now. Of course, because but... the king wants me? What the fuck? Right. How special must I be? Yeah. You know? Okay, one last note. Um, the mandrake in the ancient Near East was mm-hmm. known as an aid of fertility and as an aphrodisiac. Ah, so when she said so the mandrakes are, yeah. she's saying, let's fuck. Right. I smell fuck tonight. Right, yeah. You know what it tastes like tonight? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
I went down to the river and you know what I saw? Fuck. Right. Yeah. So or vineyard. They were at the vineyard. Ooh. So. Yeah, vineyard growing right. on growing on vines. You know, it was growing on the vines besides lumpy titties. Fuck. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. That's, that's all you got. That's all I got. Okay. I'm done, I'm done with fuck now. All right. So that was a uh, song of Solomon. Song uh, seven. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that we will be back tomorrow with... The Eighth Canticle. Song of Solomon, Song 8. Correct. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Yep, bye. Husband! Wife! Do you know where we are? We are in Song of Solomon. Solomon and, songs. And uh, we just read Song 7, I believe. We did. And so that would mean that today, what are what are we getting into today? We are reading song eight. Okay. Of those songs All that right. are Solomon's. We're getting into song eight. Mm-hmm. And okay. guess what? What? You already know. Don't pretend you don't. <laughs> Somebody in Discord ruined it. It's the last one. Yeah. It's, it's the, the last, last chapter. Yeah. We're done with this book after I finish this tonight. Yeah. I was yeah. going to surprise you with that news and then... We got onto Discord early because we do Discord every right, Tuesday right. at what time? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern. Yep. If you would like to join us and further spoil things. Yeah, thanks, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Great conversations are to be had there and fun is had by all, I believe. Definitely. And you can tell husband things he's not supposed to know. And give him spoilers. Also, the link is in the show notes, so check it out. Yes, do. All right, let's. Uh, you ready to get into song eight and yes. the last song? Yes. All Let right. us do this. Okie dokie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get into song eight. Let's do it. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Starts out with titties. It starts out with titties. It does. I love titties. It- <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, I I did not expect that response. Yeah, no, I know. That's why. I- <laughs> Partly why I did it. Just oh, my it. face. I can feel how hot my face is. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> if only you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast. Oh, that's not... What? Okay. What she means is if we lived in the same house. Like, if you were as close to me now as my brothers were when we nursed. Okay. It's... It's an analogy. It's a bad but analogy. It's so bad because it do, it sounds incestuous. It really does. Yeah, but it's not meant incestuous. Right? No, I I, I guess I get it. I I want to make fun of it because it's incestuous and it's titties. Right. Yeah. But okay, I'm just trying to be a grown up. Here. Sure. Yeah. Okay. She just means she wishes that he they was were as close. close to her. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then if I found you outside, I would kiss you, mm. and no one would despise me. No. Because it's okay to. Kiss your brother like that, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think she's just saying, like, if if you were more, if we were already married, if you were already uh, part of my yes, family, right. you know, then I could kiss you. But right now, you're not related at all in any way whatsoever. Right. You're nobody to thing, my family. And yeah. so we got to hide it. We're, we're fucking with the goats. Yeah. At noon under the tree in, in a secret tryst. Right. So, and why do they got to hide it? 
religion. Religion, exactly. And probably also because she's only 12 with her little grape-sized <laughs> titties. I mean, just being honest. Jesus. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house, she who has taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the nectar of my pomegranates. <laughs> mm, yeah, you would. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Mm. Here's the thing. Every time I lay next to you and you put your left arm under my head or your right arm under my head, yeah. within 10 minutes, your arm falls asleep. I mean, and you're it's like, losing circulation, know. you know? And you're like, okay, that's good. Like, that's I mean, how I'm a snuggle saying, goes. You're yeah. like, okay, that's good. <laughs> you, you are like, the snuggle has commenced. And then you are like, the snuggle is done now. Good right, night. Right. That's the way that goes. Yeah. So I think this girl has not been with enough men to know that, <laughs> like, the snuggle does not stay forever. Right, right. All right. Who is coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree, I roused you. You know about them apple trees. Yeah. Mm. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Placed me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy, unyielding as the grave. Mm. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Mm, that is some hot sounds love. Like to me, well, yeah, but it sounds like she might want to work on some self-love, though. Right. I right. mean, you know, you, you don't need to be jealous over this guy. Mm. You know? Yeah. You, you you should feel good about yourself, you know, first. Is that is that what this was about? She's... She says jealousy is as strong, or like the jealousy is really strong, you know? Mm. Didn't okay. she? Okay. Well, I don't think this is her talking anymore. Oh. I think this is the chorus talking. Oh, me. okay, okay. And they're like, who that? So they're just saying that in general, love is... Makes, makes people jealous and yeah, stuff. Yeah, love is hot. Okay, yeah. all right. I think. I could be wrong. Right. It doesn't, like, specifically say. Got you it, know? got it. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. What? If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. So like um, if can't you, buy me love. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> can't buy me love. Okay. We have a little sister and her breasts are not yet grown. So what much the talk hell? about boobs. What shall we do? Oh, this is the brothers talking. Okay. So she does have grape-sized titties. Oh. She probably is only 12. Oh. Okay, this is the brothers. We have a little sister. Wait, who whose brothers? Her brothers? Her brothers. Okay. They're protecting her. Got it. I've read notes. Got so that's it. how I kind of know a little okay. bit. All right. Okay. We have a little sister and her breasts are not yet grown. That Meaning she's not yet a woman. Right. She's not an adult. They okay. don't really mean. And we like looking at her tits. Right. As right. brothers do. I got it. Okay, I got it. I was just making sure you understood that. Sure. They weren't talking Check. about her breasts that way. Right. Okay. What shall we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. I am a wall and my breasts are like... Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Now it's her talking. So they're like, even though you're spoken for, we're not ever letting you go because you're under our care. Mm. So, okay. 
you know, we're supposed to, like, father you or right. whatever. Well, and it sounds like she might be too young. Yeah. It's so, her breast ain't grown yet. Right. But she says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become <laughs> in his eyes like one bringing contentment. Damn. Oh. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman. He let out his vineyards to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. Got to be honest, I thought she was going to say a thousand foreskins, but she didn't. She said a thousand <laughs> shekels of silver. Right. But my own vineyard is mine to give. This pussy is mine. Yeah. Don't tell me who to fuck. Okay. That's what she's saying. All right. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and 200 are for those who tend its fruit. Okay. Damn. She's like, I will fuck Solomon. How about that? Right. And, and I will pay him for the pleasure of him fucking me. Well, who's the 200 for the 10 and the fruit? Um, Whoever is licking that pussy. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, tending the fruit. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Right. I, I'm guessing here. I, like, I don't know. Okay. Like, I'm just, I mean, is this, you know, I'm just trying to figure this out. That's all. I mean, is this still allegory? I don't know. I, I don't know either. It's very confusing and makes me uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah. Because we're talking about a child. Because, I mean, if we're talking about, yeah, and we're talking about, you could either take this literally or you could take it as, you know, allegory. And it could be referring to so many different things. And either way, we're talking about a child. Right. Like, that much is clear. Yeah. I mean, we joked around about it because we thought it might be that way. And now the brothers are like, oh, no, you were right. It truly is that way. Right. She's like a 12-year-old. That's, yeah. Gross. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. Mm. So. Okay. I guess they're going to go off together. That was, that was the end. That of was the books. end. That was the end. Okay. Okay. I have some notes here. Sure. Okay. This chapter contains dialogues between the woman and the daughters of Jerusalem, the woman and her brothers, and then finally the woman and the man, which is the bride and the bridegroom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the first part is a continuation of the last two chapters. And that's the mutual delight of the bride and groom. So they're still talking about how much they love each other's bodies and smell right, and whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first part is the woman talking and she's talking about love and the springtime and love is as strong as death. And then the chorus starts in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they say, we got to search for the couple where, where they be. And then the woman is talking about the power of love. And that's when the brothers are like, excuse you. We have a thing to say about our younger sister. Right, right. The woman's maternal brothers decide to keep their sister's virginity intact. Okay. So that's so they, they were, haven't done it yet, apparently. Apparently. I don't know. But they do it in such a disparaging way, which recalls them mal- their maligning attitude in chapter 1, verse 6, which I looked up so that I could refer back to it. Yeah. Um, she says, my, my mother's sons, which remember that would mean that it was her full brothers, sure, not her half brothers. Cause they were her brothers through her mom. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. that's like a double play on words. Cause she's like, they made me work out in the garden, whatever. Right. But I got my own lady garden and I'm giving that shit away. Got it. Got so, it. um, 
Then it moves on to the woman and her defense and talking about Solomon's vineyard. So as a response to the brothers, the woman, God, I can't call her the woman now that I know she's only a 12 year old child. <laughs> right. She answers her brothers mockingly. And when in song, when in song one, those verses that I just read, yeah. when she kind of complained about her brother's antagonism towards her, like there's that juxtaposed against here where she stands up for herself and she's found her peace. Like there she's like, I don't even know about this pussy. And over here she's like, I got this pussy and I will give it to King Solomon and I will pay him and he is going to have it. Got it. Got it. And by pussy, I mean grapevines or yeah. lady gardens or whatever the fuck else you want to call it. Yeah. Cities. Yeah. Right. So then the man calls upon his bride, the Shulamite, mm -hmm. to let his companions hear her voice. He's like... She really wants to fuck me. What can I do? I I mean, you know, when girl is down, what you gonna do? Right. I'm you Solomon, know? man. Everybody listen to how much she wants me. Right. In the community of Sephardic and Oriental Jews, the congregation in traditional synagogues goes back and recites verse 13. After reciting verse 14... The last one. Yeah. To avoid ending a reading on a negative note. Hmm. Because at the end, they don't really get together. They just kind of go back to where they started. Yeah. Right. So in order to do to not end on that negative note, they go back and they read the previous verse again. That's okay. Silly. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's no less silly than people who get married at a half hour instead of an hour. Because that way... Um, the whole time that they're having the ceremony, the hour hand is moving upwards. I never heard of that before. Yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah. That's a thing. I didn't like, know. So if you want your wedding to be at four, you should actually plan it for 430. Because otherwise, if you get married at four, then the whole time you're getting married, the hour hand is moving down. And then that apparently is that's a bad thing. That's bad luck. Oh. It's bad Got luck. It. All the luck is We should have out. done like a bad luck wedding. We should have done we like, should like have. just hung like uh, horseshoes upside down and whatever we could yeah. think of, you know, yeah. just bad luck shit. Torn up. Because I think that would be rocks. fucking funny. It would. And like 13s and 6s and <laughs> all bad luck things everywhere. Right, right. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So, okay. Um, in the last verse, the woman, um, this is about her departure. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. The woman's voice calls out to her male lover to run like a gazelle or deer yeah. to wherever off into the perfumey hills, right? Sure. And that way the lover's game can begin afresh and it's suspended in time and just they keep circling back around each other. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, It does imply that there's another meeting and it prolongs indefinitely the moment of young love. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we're talking about a poem here, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes sense. They're trying to capture that that moment, that type of love, right? Right, right. And you can't the really, hotness. like, you know, you can't really, it doesn't go on forever. So they right. had, they found a way to make it go on forever, mm -hmm. sort of, I guess. I, I swear, yeah. I know I've said this before, but I swear there is a touch of the Greek in this. Sure. The setup of it. the. Yeah. The way that, like, they're trying to talk about the body, but also um, the insistence that the body is not a lewd or horrible thing, but that it's beautiful. And also um, the endless love and the cyclical nature 
of it and trying to capture all of that. Like, that just feels very Greek to me. Yeah. And the only reason that this was included in the Bible is because um, of its proximity. Like, it's Solomon adjacent. And so they were like, well, it's kind of gross, but okay, we'll let it slide. (laughs) Like, honestly, like, if you read on it, it everybody's like it's weird that this book is there sure but and and the only reason it's included is not because it's solomonic but because it's solomonic adjacent adjacent. right because either like you know he wrote it which he didn't or it was in his library because people wrote about him or it was just one of many romances in his library i'm pretty sure that like 90 percent of the writing happened according to people that read the bible Mm -hmm. during solomon's time yeah 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 I mean, that's the way it seems. That's what they would have you think. Right. But I don't think that, but... Yeah. I mean, neither, because, neither do scholars, apparently. Either, right. So. That's because, you know, I study what scholars... Right. I stand on the shoulders of people who have done all the work, and I'm like, hey, look at what they found. Yeah. Look at that science they found there. Yeah. Ah, interesting stuff, that so, science. So is that uh, pretty much what you have for us today, then? That is what I have for us today, then. That means that uh, we have wrapped up our last episode uh official episode mm-hmm. of song of solomon correct and we i guess we'll be getting into special episodes coming up here yeah so this is coming out on wednesday so on thursday we will do like a wrap up about um the song of solomon i don't know that there's a lot more to say but i'll find some interesting we'll do stuff something. some references i don't know we'll find something yeah and then we'll do um contradictions which is also you're always wrong yeah. on friday yeah. which i don't know that there's going to be we might do both of those in one we'll see we'll see there might there i i i think that you might find some contradictions for this one actually because mm. there's a lot of things that are said in here that don't track to me with the rest of the bible but they're things that happen not things that they're saying you should follow xyz yeah well so, the only one way to find no, out I, yeah and i mean if I don't find anything, I don't find anything. If right. I do, then yay. But I mean, there's honestly, only eight if, chapters. Honestly, if we do an episode with only one contradiction, I mean, it's just a short episode, right? If that's the way you want to run I mean, things. Like, well, we'll see. We'll see. You're the boss. I'm the, bo- I'm the boss. <laughs> I mean, you do all of the buttons. I just sit here and laugh a lot. Right, right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I, was, I didn't know until we started that we were wrapping this up. But uh, we're we're done with another book of the Bible now, know, other right? than the special episodes. So yeah, next week we'll get into Isaiah. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the twenty third book of the Bible. That's insane, right? Yeah, we've been doing. We, we're now on the twenty third book. I can't believe how much we've read. I know. Yeah, we're we're going on like three and a half years now. It it's feels crazy. Like it feels like we're finally getting somewhere, though. It does. It does. That's because all these ones are pretty short. Right. So we're finally They're moving, like moving right yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it. Yep. Get her done. Yep. All right, guys, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Yep. All right, bye. Bye. Husband. Wife. Do you know what we're doing today? I believe we just finished a book of the the Bible. We did. We finished another book. We finished Solomon's Song of Songs and Canticle of Canticles. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Yeah. Yes. And so that means that today... We're going to be doing what? Wrapping it up and talking about the book as a whole. Okay. Sounds sounds like a plan. Stuff like that. Yeah. You so know. erotic poetry wrap up. Yeah. Got yeah. it. You ready to do this? I am. Let's uh, Let's go do it. Okay. Okay.
Okay, so we are going to talk about uh, Song of Songs. Okay. Song, song of Solomon. Song, yeah, Song of Solomon. Yeah. You try to you... confuse everybody all the way through this. You're well, that's like, because there's... It's got a million names, and I'm just going to say them all every time. Because it, it doesn't have a specific name. No, I so know. No. If, if it can't be I just bothered. Like, I like the, the, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know? I like to say it is stupid, so I'm going <laughs> to prove that by every time I mention it, not knowing what it's called. Got it. So I thought we would talk a little bit about the book itself first. And then we talk a little bit about who is the Shulamite woman. Got it. Who she be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, looking at the erotic poetry itself, it is exactly what it looks like it is. It's a celebration of sexual love, both human and divine. And it's rooted in the fertility religions of the ancient Near East. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. It's also about the sacred marriage rite and the funeral feast. That's actually interesting because as we were reading through it, you mentioned like Multiple they compared. Times. Yeah. Well, and they compared a lot of the beauty to, you know, spices and things of the mm-hmm. Far East. Yes. yes. So that that's interesting. Right. Kind of makes me feel like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Like, I, I picked up on that. Right, yeah. right. No, that's yeah. awesome. So the question keeps coming up, what the fuck is a collection of erotic poems doing in the Bible? Right. right? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, There are several different theories. Um, If we discovered the book today, there's absolutely no fucking way it would be included. <laughs> I mean, that just goes without saying. Right, yeah. But it's fun it to say. does not fit. Because sex. Yeah, yeah, that too. Sex is natural. Sex is good. Not but everybody not does it, but everybody should. <laughs> yeah. Um. So many ancient rabbis were very uneasy about the book's inclusion in the canon. I don't doubt it. I don't right, doubt it. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, even some that did say, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. They were also like quick to follow up with, but absolutely y'all will not be singing this shit in the bars. And <laughs> there was one guy that even went so far as to say, and hey, um, preachers and, and priests and whatever else, teachy yeah. guys that are right. going around. Pastors, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera whatever. Being in charge all, all of y'all. Passing on the word of God. Right. FYI, if you are not right spiritually, like, and dedicated to being um what's that word celibate right like don't don't read this don't read it wow yeah i I was i was gonna say actually this is probably the book that they kept you know underneath their uh their mattress right like this was their playboy (laughs) magazine yeah um that there's more truth in that than you might have thought yeah Yeah. so the song was accepted into the jewish canon of scripture in the second century ce Okay. Okay. Right. After a period of controversy in the first century. Uh-huh. So it was like, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we? And then in the second century of of this side of the continuum, they were like, well, okay. Right. And it was a result of many rabbis seeing this text as merely secular love poetry mm. and not worthy of canonization. So they were like, this is just, this is just sex. Right. This has no religious value. I mean, it really doesn't. In in so far right. as I can see, right there there are no there there is no religious value that I can see. No, but not none. not with regard to Christianity and Judaism. 
Right. You anyway. have to try really hard. Right. And they do. They try really oh, hard. Yeah. Yeah. They take the allegory tact. Right. And right. I'm like, you can, but that's just like your opinion, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was considered as one of the books to be excluded. Okay. And it was accepted as canonical canonical only because of its supposed authorship by Solomon and based on allegorical reading where the subject matter was taken to be not sexual desire but God's love for Israel. So right. that's where it started. Yeah. Okay. Um now putting this on the bookshelf, um a lot of people maybe suggest that it was um just a book in his library that was um a Oh, what's it called? Opera being done at the time. Okay. That was like trendy. And so it was like just one of those things on his bookshelf. Got it. Got it. And and that kind of, there's like almost not stage direction, but like, and then these people say, and the chorus responds. Right. No, that, yeah. And I mean, you can actually picture it in your head as a musical done on stage. That's, that's actually a good point. Yeah. So that's, that's my thought on it. I, I kind of lean towards that, that it right. was a production and he had it on a shelf. I could see that. That, that makes actually a lot of sense in right. my, in my head anyway. Sure. Sure. Now, some still today avoid this book altogether. Okay. Um, remember when I was saying that um, if you if if you don't feel like you're close to God, let me tell you exactly what this guy said. Okay, Okay. his name was Origen, um, and he lived circa one eighty five to two fifty four. Okay, so like way early on. Okay, yeah, he was an important teacher in the early church, and he said of the Song of Solomon, "I advise and counsel everyone who is not yet rid of vexations of the flesh and blood." And has not ceased to feel the passions of this bodily nature to refrain from reading the book and the things that will be said about it. <laughs> now, he felt that he was prepared because he castrated himself when he was a young man. Oh, man. So he was definitely removed from uh, wanting that kind of pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, I'm good. Right. So that's, that's that's just disturbing. Dedication like, mutilation, to the Lord. Mutilating yourself mm-hmm. for God. Yeah. That's disturbing to me. That's higher level bullshit. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, Song of Songs is one of the overtly mystical biblical texts for the Kabbalah. Remember oh. that's that mystical stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it gives an interpretation on all the Hebrew Bible. Okay. Okay. The Kabbalah does. Yeah. And following the dissemination of the Zohar, remember that was the Kabbalah book. Thing, okay. Yeah. In the 13th century, so you know, right, still early on, right. Jewish mysticism took on a metaphorically anthropomorphic erotic element, and Song of Songs is an example of this. Hmm. So. Okay. There's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it, you know, it's we talk about this all the time, but you can twist the Bible to be whatever you want it to be, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. so many different takes on it. And especially if you take into account some of the things that are left out of it, you know, you can you can basically write whatever version of mm-hmm. Christianity or Judaism that you want. Of course you can. It's just a matter of how you interpret it. Um, Listening to hateful preachers pull right? out pieces, right? yeah. I'm like, but I could be just as emphatic by pulling out all the things that disagree with that, all yeah. the contradictions. Yeah. If I was an asshole blustery on a stage like you and saying, 
This is absolutely the truth and the way because it says right here and consider, you know, verse blah, 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 blah. Like if I was a blustery asshole, I could totally be the same way. I could I, I could be as emphatic and like this is the final word. Right. Which to more to the point, the way that we're reading the Bible, I think we're doing it on purpose in such a way that it is literal ish mm -hmm. because you can interpret these things in so many different ways. Right. Like it, it, we want to leave it up to the individual to take it as we read it and yeah. as, you know, as we respond to it, mm -hmm. because who, who gets to be the ultimate authority on how it does get interpreted? That's what bothers me. Right. These people that get up on stage and say, my interpretation is the interpretation. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Right. There certainly is no God telling us this is the way to interpret it. Right. So what gives you that authority? Right. Like, what do you think gives you that authority besides the fact that you're a blustery male? Right. And we all know how wife feels about fucking blustery ass males. Yeah. yeah Ugh. Right. So Jewish tradition reads this book as an allegory of the relationship between God and Israel, right. which we already knew. Yep. And in modern Judaism, certain verses from the song are read on Shabbat Eve or at Passover, okay. which marks the beginning of the grain harvest, as well as commemorating the exodus from Egypt. And I think I said some of that like up front before we started yeah. the book. Yeah, I remember you saying but some of that. But it just kind of bears repeating when we talk about different ways that people read this. Yeah. And um, according to Jewish tradition, it's supposed to symbolize the love between the Jewish people and their God. Got which, it. Which, that's nice. Whatever. But that's not how it reads. No. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I can't it's get over. It's really not. Like, I, I, I tried really hard to imagine it mm -hmm. as an allegory for the relationship between God and Israel. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get myself it, because there. Because it's not. Right. It's just not. Um, I When we get into who was the Shulamite woman, there's a better theory for what this shit is all about. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the literal subject of the song of songs is love and sexual longing between a man and a woman. And it has little or nothing to say about the relationship of God and man. Okay. Which, right. Like, yeah. No shit. Right. And in order to find such a meaning, it was necessary to resort to allegory, <laughs> treating the love that the song celebrates as an analogy for the love between God and church. So, the Christian church's interpretation of the song began as evidence of God's love for his people. Okay. Both collectively and individually. Sure. Which, you know. I mean. That's very again, similar to Jewish tradition. Right, right. Um, well, you, you had said earlier that it was the relationship between God and, and church or whatever, or Jesus and church or whatever. Mm -hmm. But either way, it's you're either, still doing a heavy mental acrobats to get there yes yes you're either saying let's pretend that this is about god and israel or you're like no let's pretend this is about god jesus and the church as right. the bride right and it's like no neither one right there is no fucking that is done with any of those things this was about fucking you guys yeah, it really was and let's not pretend otherwise <laughs> you sillies over the centuries, the emphasis of interpretation shifted first, which I found this interesting, like how they read it shifted over time. Yeah. Okay. So first they read the song as a depiction of the love between Christ and the church. The 11th century, they added a moral element. Mm. And this is just the Christians I'm talking about yeah, now. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. Like we already see that it went from a shift from the way the Jewish interpret it still today and now and how the Christians interpret it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, so first it was just the Christ and the church, the end. 
Then in the 11th century, they added a moral element. And then in the 12th century, um, they started interpreting the bride as the Virgin Mary. Oh, you know, keeping herself really? chaste. I don't see how you get there, but okay. Yeah, I don't either, but that's interesting. Right. And um, with each new reading, it would absorb the the previous interpretations. Got it. So it, it didn't ever replace the old interpretations. It just kind of adapted them the way the Christian religion does. Well, and what I know about Christian religion in general is that they never read an entire story. Like right. they, they pick out bits and pieces that are convenient for their for the interpretation as to how they want to present it. Mm-hmm. And so I could see you picking it apart and using this verse and that verse yes. to make it say what you want it to say. Exactly. But you can't read that whole thing in in full and come up with that same fucking message. No, it's just, it's just not can't. there. It's not. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. So as you just said, these theological themes are not found explicitly in the poem, but rather come from a theological reading. Right. So uh, let's pretend. Okay? Right. A cherry picked version. Yes. Nevertheless, what is notable about this approach is the way it leads to conclusions not found in the overtly theological books of the Bible. So right. there's nothing to support any of these ideas of Anywhere let's else pretend. in the Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those books reveal um I found this this really, really, really interesting. <laughs> okay, the other books of the Bible, they reveal an abiding imbalance in the relationship between God and man ranging from slight to enormous. Right. Like the relationship between God and man is completely just. Right. They're, God wins every fucking yeah, time. Yeah. He's so powerful. He's strong. I'm a piece of shit. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, reading songs as a theological metaphor produces quite a different outcome. It's more of an intimate relationship with God and a yes. very close relationship with God. One in which the two partners are equal, bound in a committed relationship. Right. So it doesn't even hold up under that scrutiny. Right, right. But that's convenient for a more liberal take on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you're still cherry picking. You're still taking what you want from it to make it what you want. Exactly. Exactly. And you're so, leaving out the other shit where God is an asshole mm-hmm. and, and killing people and, and, and just like, fucking shit up left and right. But love. And then when you're like, okay, so love. And then they're like, no, not love. <laughs> and it's like, what? you just said, it. no, only that one time. Right. Right. And and they're like, it's just, it's, it's, Christ it's, is love. And you're like, so Christ is love. And they're like, oh, but not really and always. And, you know, you're too soft. The part that bugs me about the Bible is the many, many, many inconsistencies in it mm-hmm. and, and that's just where we're at so far and i know there's more to come yeah you know like it, it's so annoying yeah infuriating it really is, it really is. irritating yes. vexing <laughs> <laughs> um in modern times the poem has attracted the attention of feminist biblical critics i can see that with some treating it as an exemplary text because okay. she was in charge of her own body and self and she stood up and decided whomst she would fuck and whomst not. <laughs> I get that. But if you're reading that portion of this book, you have to have also read the bit where she's underage. And and, and there's, I, gonna, I know that there's no explicit text saying I'm going to get to that when okay. we talk about the sh- who is the Shulamite woman. All right. I'm going right. to get to that. Okay. Okay. So hold on to that thought. I'm, I'm holding. Okay. I'm holding. I'm trying. I mean, I'm the one that brought up. Hey, titty-sized grapes, this is a kid. <laughs> no, I know, so, but then when you pointed it out to me and 
and we read a little bit further, it was like, oh, so Jesus. So obvious. Right. Yeah. yeah. But we'll get to that, okay? So continuing talking about how Christianity treats the book, or yeah, the song. Yeah. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints specifically rejects the Song of Solomon as inspired scripture. So they're like, oh. no, it's not even part of not our... Not even in their Bible. No, wow. it's not canon for them. So we can't talk to the Jehovah Witnesses about that then? I'm like, let's talk about the Song of Songs. <laughs> and they'll be like, what's that? I've never. That's not in our book. Here, let me pull out my Bible. Let's, yeah. let's read through it together. Yeah. Maybe we'll learn something. Since we both love Christ so much, yeah. you know, right. we're all going to heaven, right? Yeah. But we're not... That would be that would be interesting. Like it's good to know that that's not in that book because yeah. that would be an interesting little uh, exercise if anybody cared to, to do it. Yeah, <laughs> only if you tell me how old was the Shulamite woman. Who but was the Shulamite woman. I am going to need you to record that and send it to us if you do it. Yes. So yes, definitely. <laughs> so now we've talked about how the Jewish and how the Christians um, read the book. Let's talk about the Muslims a little bit. Okay. So Muslim apologist Harris Zafar presents the traditional this is so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Presents the traditional Muslim contention that the Song of Songs mentions Muhammad by name in chapter five, verse twenty-six. Okay. And I, I know I was like, how the fuck do you get that? So I, I take it that this is in the Quran as well. Is that apparently? That, apparently. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I haven't read the Quran, so I can't no, yeah, tell you, I, but right. if they have an opinion on it, it then I would be. imagine right. so. Right. So I was like, how did you get Muhammad out of any of that? But let's yeah. not forget we're reading it in English. Sure. Okay. Sure. So uh, chapter 5, verse 26 of Song of Songs is, his mouth is most sweet. He is altogether lovely. Okay. Like, where is Muhammad in that? Right. Zafar argues that in the original Hebrew, those last two words are are pronounced Muhammadim with the suffix I am, M, mm -hmm. expressing respect and greatness as in the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. Okay. Okay. All right. So Muhammadim, Elohim. As the first trans translations long preceded Muhammad's births, let me try that sentence again. Sure, sure. As the first translations of this book long preceded Muhammad's birth, Translators, he suggests, not knowing any better, adopted the more mundane reading that Jews and Christians still use today. So Zafar also supports the view that the Song of Songs is not a love poem narr narrated by a man about a woman, but is instead a poem narrated by God about the people of Israel. So very similar to the Jewish tradition, except that he believes that the name of God via Muhammad yeah. is mentioned in this Bible. Got it. So it's also in this um, prophetic. Then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. That is very similar to the Jewish interpretation, except. Sure. Except for. Okay. And, and actually, he raises a valid point. I can't argue it because I don't know enough. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not going. I mean, it's hard enough to keep up with what we're trying to learn about the Bible and everything. In let alone. English. Dive into all the stuff on the interpretation Quran about, you know. of language. Right. Yeah. So to me, that that is a valid point. May or may not be true, but worthy of consideration. Sure. Sure. You know? Yeah. So others see this book primarily as a drama dealing with three characters. There's Solomon. There's a simple country shepherd, and there's the young maiden. Okay. okay. All right. And I didn't really understand that there were three people. I didn't either. Like I didn't. Take I thought. That. I thought the yeah. I thought that the. Um, 
Country Shepherd and Solomon were like the same person. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought. But there are interpretations where, no, there's two different guys. Oh. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. And that story is the one that makes sense. Was this like a love triangle or something? Yes, actually. And it makes a lot of sense when we get into this. Okay. All right. Okay. When we talk about who the fuck is the Shulamite woman. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is that Solomon one day traveled through his kingdom in this version of the story. Yeah. And he saw the young maiden and was captivated by her beauty. Though she was betrothed to the simple shepherd, Solomon brought her back to his palace and tried to win her affection with all lavish gifts and loving words. Oh. Though her resolve wavered, just before she gave in to Solomon's attention and affection, she fled his palace and went back to her simple shepherd, her true love. Oh, this that makes a lot more sense, actually. Doesn't it? Yeah. Because, okay, let's talk about this. First of all, she refers to herself early on. She's like, I'm black, but still lovely. Right? Right. Now, what that means is that she was out working in the fields. And the reason that she was out working in the fields, the great, the vineyards. Right, right. Her brothers had placed her there. In order to keep her working, keep her busy, you know, their job was to oversee her and make sure that she was kept chased. Right. So not only did they keep her busy, but they, quote unquote, made her less attractive. Sure. Okay. Okay. So it was like all a ploy, right? Yeah. So she's out there working in the fields and she's betrothed to this farm boy. Yeah. Farm boy, fetch me that picture. (laughs) And she's fine with that because they love each other. Right. Okay. Okay. And then Solomon and his dudes camp nearby. Okay. And either Solomon wandered by and saw her in the fields, or his guys were like, dude, there's this hot babe over there. You got to come see this chick. Right. So, either way, he sees her. And even though she's quote unquote ugly or whatever, just from working in the sun, sure. which that's just like your opinion, man, again. Yeah. You know, right. Right. Um, he's quite smitten with her. Right. Okay. So, he takes her away. Now, Think about when she tries to run away and she's beaten up by the guards. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they've been told to keep her in the palace. Right. Right? Okay. And then remember when she says, you could give me all the gold and it still means nothing? Oh, right? my God. Right? Like, I'm getting chills because I'm like, this story makes so much more sense with right. this interpretation. Yeah. And then he is talking about jealousy. Yeah. He's jealous because he can't do anything to win this girl's love. And there are parts of it that when she's thinking about sex and stuff, those are dream sequences. Okay. Which if we are looking at this as a performance performed on stage, that would make sense. Sure, sure. Because then she awakens from the dream. Wow, this puts a whole new light on it. Right? Yeah. It actually makes it a story that's interesting instead of just weird and lewd. (laughs) Right, 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 yeah. So, okay, so at the end, she goes back to her true love, and they're allowed to be betrothed. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And he's, like, just, Solomon is just, like, looking on this going, man, oh, man. Like, Mm. this is, you know, I I lost what could have been the love of my life and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. So there's that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the Shulamite woman now. Sure. Right? You're like I, I see you just staring off into space. Well, I'm, just, You're I'm like, trying to think back on everything we read. You it's know? almost like, like I want to reread it now. I, I mean I don't. I but don't I mean, you know. I, I don't, I, but I, I, I kinda do. I know. <laughs> like, wait, this this makes me understand things so much better. Right. Maybe. Kind of. Yeah, well, I mean I definitely 
Like, I might actually go back and re-listen to our episodes just because I'm like, what? Okay, right? okay. I, yeah. I need to I need to hear how this works out. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it, it's completely different from how I was taking it. Yeah, I had so, no idea that there was even the possibility that there were two dudes. Right. I was. I, I mean, I definitely mixed them into one person. Mm-hmm. So. And a lot of, most people do. Right, right. But this um, other theory has been put forth and it's supported and I, and by I many. And I like it. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. I like it too. And it fits in with the understanding that it was probably a, a performance. Sure. You know, the yeah. whole thing. And and that it wasn't really Solomon at all. That's so actually much as, really amazing. Right? I mean, in the context of like the historical relevance of this book and this story. Uh, yes. You know? Yes. Just as a piece of history, not as a biblical text. Right, right. Just, just the way anything that we found, it, like dinosaur bones, is like, sure. so cool, man. Right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 So the maiden is most likely called the Shulamite because she came from an unidentified place called Shulam. Okay. okay? Many scholars consider Shulamite to be synonymous with Shunamite, a person from Shunam, because that was another place Place. that was mentioned in the Bible elsewhere. Got it, got it. Shunam was a village in the territory of Issachar, north of Jezreel, and south of Mount Gilboa. Okay. If you got a map, that means something to you. Yeah. So one theory on the ident- on the identity of the Shulamite is that she is the daughter of Egypt's king. Now that doesn't like that doesn't track with me. me. Yeah, because she would not be out in the fields. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, whom Solomon married, which that, that also doesn't track at all. Exactly. Right. But there is no evidence supporting this theory in the Song of Solomon. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's a theory that's like maybe she was right, and then everybody's like, but probably not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So another speculation points to Abishag. You remember her? The name sounds familiar, but not. She was the young Shunammite who served King David in his old age. She was the kiddo that came in and warmed his body. Oh, damn. Right? It is plausible that Abishag is the Shulamite. We know she was from Shunam. Okay. She specifically stated as from Shunam. Yeah. We know she was from there. She could also be... Um, Shunem could be the same place as Shulam. Okay. So, you know, they've kind of mixed those up in places. It could be the same place. So we've got one girl in the whole Bible that's from here. Yeah. And and so maybe. And we already know that Abishag was a a young girl, like 12. Right. Right. Sent in to warm the body of a king. Yeah. You know, and remain chaste or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made a big fucking deal about saying how chaste she was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Abishag would have been known to David's son, Solomon, because of that. That's true. And Solomon's half-brother, Adon- Adoniah, remember, attempted to have Abishag as his own wife, and Solomon prevented the union. Huh. Do you remember all of that? That was all in kind First of, Kings. Kind of. Um, like, Abish- or Adoniah was trying to um, claim that um, Abishag was his because um, he got to take his father's wives and got concubines. It. Okay. And oh, Solomon, yeah, yeah. And Solomon right. was like, um, A, they weren't married. B, she wasn't really a concubine. And right. C, fuck you, I'm going to kill you. Right. So okay. there was all that. Sure. Now, that doesn't necessarily fit in with Solomon having discovered her in the fields. Yeah. But it is an interesting, huh. I'll consider that. Right, right. No, I mean, it makes more sense than the last one, the, mm-hmm. the queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so. think she's the daughter of any king or queen. Right, she's right. She's just a kid caught up. In some in, 
crazy shit. She's a young, pretty girl in the wrong place in the wrong era. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Solomon uses passionate language to describe his bride and their love. This is going back to the idea that Solomon married yeah. her. Okay? okay. Which I don't think happened. Right. Solomon clearly loved the Shulamite according to this person's interpretation. Sure. Okay. He admired her character as well as her beauty. The bride and groom were obviously and passionately in love, and there was mutual respect and friendship between them. And this points to the fact that the Song of Solomon is the story of Solomon's first marriage. Mm. Before okay. he sinned by adding many other wives. <laughs> you know? I mean... The love of his life. Technically, in the Old Testament, there's not a big... Like, they never cover... That you can't marry more than one woman. Yes, they did. Oh, did they? Yes, they did. I must have forgot about that. You did forget because you commented on it at the time. Like, okay. I thought they weren't supposed to have, quote unquote, too many wives. Oh, and we well, talk yeah, about but too is... many, but I, yeah. And but it wasn't specifically really, more than one. It but was they too really many. wanted you to have only like one, right. maybe two. Right. Okay. And it was mostly if you have more than one, it was supposed to be for progeny. To pass on your sure. land and belongings to make right. sure that everything stays in the family. But it seemed like an awful lot of people in the OT have multiple well, wives. Of course they did. It was very convenient for men. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Let's be fair. It was probably also very convenient for women because right. they were forced into these marriages, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have to share the household responsibilities? And if you don't really want to be fucking this guy, would right. it be nice to you pass that off too? Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, was kind of like, yeah. yay, it's your turn. I'm tired of fucking this dude. Yeah. Right. So, um, whoever she was, she was Solomon's first and truest love. This person believes, mm. and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. So that but I, I like the one story about the three, like the, the yes, the, you know, the person she was betrothed to, and mm -hmm. then the and King Solomon, and then her. Yes. That's really interesting. I I thought that made. Everything click into place. Now, you had a question, but how old was she? Right. Because that was my original question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, in the context of this three-person love triangle, mm -hmm. um, this would be her as a child when they're referring to her as a child and the brother's trying to keep her safe out in the fields, right? Yeah. Making her work out there. Because they're holding her for marriage to this other person that, he's, yes. that she's been betrothed to. Exactly. Right. And so... Part of the story takes place in the past when she's a child, and part of it takes place when she's an adult looking back on those times. Got it. And she's saying, this is why I'm so dark-skinned today, and this is why um, all of these things, but my brothers had kept me safe. And, right. you know, that I like that better. I, yeah. I like it better because that's a little bit more comfortable than thinking of, you know, Abishag the child right, who right. had to keep... The body of an old man warm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was that was an interesting um, recap of that, uh, right? that book. I, I, I definitely learned some things today. I did, and, too. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I might even have to go back and re-listen to this one because mm -hmm. it's um, it, it puts a whole new light on the whole damn thing. Right. It makes so. it it makes it a little more tolerable and it makes it more. Um, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was fun. Yeah. All right. So I think um, we got one more episode to do for this book, which will be... You're always wrong. Except I'm right. You're not, though. <laughs> and then um, 
we may be taking well we're not gonna be doing anything on saturday i don't think right so um and then we'll be back on sunday i think with a sacrilegious book club that's right yes and then back on monday we'll be starting a new book isaiah chapter one we are entering the final stages of the old testament we're entering the last larger collection of the old testament um that's the uh prophets the minor prophets interesting all right well we'll look forward to doing that and we'll see you guys then yep bye bye Okay, and what Wait, episode is that? I don't. I don't know what episode is that. Well, you would say it's contradictions. I would. It would be. I would say it's contradictions. I would say you're always wrong. Yeah, except for today's going to be slightly different with our format because there weren't a lot of direct contradictions. The whole book itself is a contradiction. It is. It is. Um, so we have a. It's going to be a little bit different today. But you're still always wrong. I know. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> uh, speaking of always being wrong, though, I do have a correction to throw out okay. from our last episode, which was the wrap-up. Mm-hmm. And at some point in that episode, you had mentioned the Church of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And I said Jehovah Witnesses after you said that, and you I was did. completely fucking wrong. You were. It is not Jehovah Witnesses. It is Mormon. Yeah. And I apologize for that. I don't know where my brain was. I know the difference. I just fucked up. So, and once you say it, and, and it, I didn't, I, I already fucked it up. I, I was doing the notes on it, and I was like, wait, aren't those the Mormons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I screwed that up. Sorry, guys. Oopsie. That being said, are you ready to go ahead and get into this uh, Contradictions episode? Sure am. All right, let's do it. Okie dokie. Okay, so we are going to get into this You're Always Wrong Okay, with our first and only um, specific straight-up question where you get to pick and be wrong. Oh, okay. No matter what you pick. Just one, though. Just one. Okay. That's all I could specifically come up with. Okay, all right. Is it okay to use perfume, yes or no? Um... I'm going to go with yes for two reasons, because it is, mm-hmm. and also because Song of Solomon seemed to use it a lot. Right, 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 right. So. Exactly. So you're right. 
um, in Proverbs, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Mm, okay. Esther used it to impress the king. Right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about her later. Okay. And then Song of Solomon says, yeah, I, I'm i a beautiful bitch and I rose up to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers were sweet smelling upon the handles of the lock. Yeah. So she was dripping with it. Yeah. Okay. Yay, but guess what? What? You're always wrong. Because no, of course it's not. Yeah. Because it says way back, way back in Exodus, Mm -hmm. as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. (laughs) So only whores wear perfume. It's only for God. Got it. Okay. God is a whore. I don't understand why God needs perfume. He's a whore. I literally just said that. Oh, he is. He is. He totally is. Yeah. He's a man whore. I I just went, I thought that one without saying. That's all. Wow. You're always wrong. (laughs) So next, I thought we would get into the focus of um, this book, Song of Solomon. Right. So my, let me, do you mind if I say something real quick? No, go ahead. Go right ahead. So we we debated over how we were going to do this episode because there was only one direct contradiction. And we were talking about it and how we felt like the entire book itself Mm -hmm. is somewhat of a contradiction to what we've read in the Bible thus far. Right. So it was it was bothering us that we couldn't come up with contradictions because we're like, no, but there's something fucking wrong here. Yeah. And so we we that, that's why this is coming out late mm-hmm. because it took us some time to figure out what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say it. I needed more direction, quite honestly. Like I'll take the hit on this because <laughs> we have a format, we have a guide that we use for these episodes. Right. And I go there and I compare the questions to what we've read thus far, and I prepare the format, and then. That's it. And it might take me, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a less if I'm, you know, really quick about it. Sure. And and there it is. But with this, I couldn't do that. Right. And there was no yes or no, true or false, whatever. Yeah. You know? So it's going to be more of a discussion. And I I don't deal well with not knowing what I'm looking for. <laughs> so... So I, again, like I said, I'll take the hit on why we're running late. I needed more guidance. I needed to know what, how are we doing this? What are we looking for? Yeah. And it took us some time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. here we are. Here we are. And the book itself is a fucking contradiction. It really is. So part of that is because the focus is different in this book than it is in the rest of what we've read so far, or indeed the Old Testament as a whole. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Song of Songs is a collection of love poems, erotic ones, yes, yes, that celebrate the physical and emotional intimacy between a man and a woman. And that is completely in stark contrast to the rest of the Old Testament, which primarily focuses on God's relationship with the Israelites. Yes. So Now, it depends on how you, I mean, just, just to take it back to something we discussed in our wrap-up, mm-hmm. there is some talk about how this is a relationship, like... The Song of Solomon is a relationship between God and Israel. But those are, let's pretend, allegories that people have decided that that's how to interpret it. Right, and we decided that it doesn't read that way at all. But it doesn't matter if it reads that way at all, because the fact of the matter is, if you read the other ones, it is specifically straightforward about God speaking to the people or the people recording history of this is what happened. Right straightforward this book does not do that and that is how itself right there it is a contradiction to what we've read so far true true so that's what i'm getting into okay the, all right 
the fact that it might be an allegory and that you can interpret it different ways, like that is completely beside the point. Okay. In my, to me, in yeah. my opinion, right. in the way I'm preparing this. Sure. No, I agree. Okay. Um, one might say with the other ones, you didn't have to do that. Right. So yeah. that in itself, how you read that it. That puts it separate right there, right there by itself. Exactly. The Song of Songs does not contain any explicit references to God or to religious or moral teachings. Right. Like it has nothing to do with that. Right. And of course, this is in contrast to the rest of the Old Testament, which is full of laws, commandments, stories, history. These are all designed to teach people how to live a righteous life. I would say even so, at some points they inserted God into places where mm-hmm. it didn't feel comfortable or it didn't feel right. Like mm-hmm. they made sure it was in there. Editors came back along later yeah. and, and did that. And right. you could tell based on the style of the writing. And it was pointed out when we looked it up later. Yeah. That they made sure to put some God in there. Right. But this one specifically has none of that. None of that. And the Song of Songs is simply a celebration of human love. Right. Like if you're just reading it straightforward and not trying to guess that it's an allegory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's simply a celebration of human love and it does not attempt to impose any religious or moralistic agenda on the reader. It's not a historical reference. As as a matter of fact, we learned that it probably was opera performance. Yeah. Like basically a screenplay. Yeah. You know? Right. So that, again, sets it apart. Yeah. The absence of God is definitely Mm -hmm. a notable thing from this book. The, The absence of God is the point of it. Everything about this book is just like, what are you doing in this? Why are you here? The Song of Songs is one of the few books in the Bible that celebrates the female body. Yes. And that was weird to read. It really Very weird. Not that it bothers us on a personal level, but it bothers us as context for the rest of the Bible that we've read thus far. Mm-hmm. And it does not fit. Like this did At not all. fit where it went. Like this, it's just not, I, I guess my best word for it would be it's not acceptable with in, in context to the rest of the Bible. Right. It's like Bible, pick a lane. Right, yeah. You know, kind of like one might tell Lauren Boebert, are you family matters or are you a hoe? Pick a lane. (laughs) You know, we we want to understand you better. Yeah, right. So in the rest of the Old Testament, women are often portrayed as being subordinate to men, right? Definitely, definitely. And in the Song of Songs, conversely, the woman is the equal to the man and her beauty is praised in lavish terms. Right, right. So we're going to get into a little bit of that more. Sure. That is where the way women are represented here versus the rest of the Bible, in addition to the focus of the book itself, yeah. is where we'll find a lot of the contradiction. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's start off with sexual violence against women. Okay. And before I do that, actually, I want to say I referenced this excellent, excellent article from the Jewish Women's Archive. That I will link because it was so interesting. It talked so much about how women are represented in the Old Testament. And I really feel like it's a great supplemental read to this discussion. Sure. And I plan to utilize the Jewish Women's Archive more in the future going forward because it's just a great trove of information. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there that that's where I got a lot of my information. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about early on when Dinah was raped by Sheshem. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. And that was the prince of the city with the same name. And that was way back in Genesis. Yeah. And Dinah's brother took that assault as a matter of family honor. Like, right. They were upset that she got raped, but it was more about them and their feelings. Yeah. Than about their sister. Sure. You know? 
Wasn't this the one where they circumcised the other yes. clan and then killed them all? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, they took that opportunity to massacre all the inhabitants of the town. Yeah. So it was, again, less about Dinah and what happened to her than it was the impetus for them to murder an entire town full of people and chop up their dicks. Right. You know? Yeah. It, was, so, it was about the family honor more so than the actual woman. And exactly. The that exactly. And this gets into something that's often discussed in literature and movies, which I don't know if you would be familiar with this principle, but it's using the rape of a woman as the impetus, the turning point of a story. Like okay. we're basically committing a violence onto a woman purely to move a story. Got it. And Got it. it's a trope that okay. is frowned upon more now than say even 20 years ago. Okay. Um, you know, with women's movements and me too movements and all of that yeah. bringing into the forefront of our attention that hey, you know what? Let's do less of that. Let's have less utilizing women and their bodies and harm onto them to move stories. Right. So, that's what that was. Got Played it. Right into that trope. Yeah. Might be the, you know, First time of that trope, one right, might say, right. early days. At least one of the first, anyway. Yeah. So back in Judges, and I remember this is one that actually I think made me cry. Okay. Back in Judges, a host offers to throw the women in his household out into the street where a pack of men are intent on raping the male visitor. Yeah, I almost recall it maybe being his daughters in place of the angel and the yeah. whoever else was there. Yes. Yeah. And one of the women who was never named is gang raped, killed, and mutilated. Right. And parts of her body were sent off to various people. Yeah. Now, some people might point out that that was done by heathens and people that God did not like, but the people that threw her out, to have that done to her, they were, were supposedly godly people. Yeah, they were the righteous. Right. The righteous people threw out a woman to have this happen to them rather than the guest. Yeah, and keep in, in mind... Order, in order to avoid homosexuality and the rape of a man. Right, and and keep in mind there was a fucking angel there. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about how much power an angel has, but it would seem that it could probably handle whatever was outside that fucking right. door. Right, and this act in itself led to a civil war among all the tribes of Israel. Got it. So, you know, it wasn't exactly... Yeah. It, it wasn't without further recrimination. And once again, harm onto a woman is what was the pivotal point of moving the story forward. Sure. Yeah. So... Right. Problematic. Definitely problematic. In First Samuel, when one of David's sons, Amnon, rapes his half-sister Tamar, a feud among the brothers ensues, and Amnon is ultimately killed by his brother Absalom. Right. And that was in First Samuel. So do you remember that? I do, I do. Again, a woman is raped, and here we go. Right? Yeah, right. So the reason that I'm bringing these up, and these aren't anything to do with what we're reading now. It's just, I feel it's very important to bring these up as women being harmed. Women being harmed to move a story forward. And yet here we're reading in Song of Songs, and we're supposed to believe what? Women are equals. Right. And I'm like, no, you're not going to gaslight me like that. You're not going to do that to me. Yeah. No, they're fucking not. Well, and I, I don't know if this is in your list of things about rape, but I do remember early on when, who was it? It was somebody was going into Egypt with their wife. It might, I think it was Isaac, actually, or Abraham or whatever. Abraham was going into Egypt with his wife, uh, Sarah, I Sarah. think. And 
they acted like she was his sister so mm-hmm. that he wouldn't get in trouble and maybe Be- killed. Because she was so beautiful and they knew that the um, pharaoh would want her. Right. So they basically offered her up as a possible rape victim so that the toy. male wouldn't be killed. Killed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I think what we're getting at here at some level is that women weren't really respected. They were... Belongings. Belongings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people would, would definitely stand up for, mm-hmm. but only insofar as it hurt their own image. Right. So... Right. Their own image or their own body or their own honor. Right. And it definitely was not an equal footing and it was not a respectful behavior towards women in many of these instances. Exactly. There's also a lot of points in the Bible where, um, and I'm, I'm having trouble recalling what they are off the top of my head, but I remember that there was somebody that had a servant that got put in the place of having his babies because the wife couldn't have babies. Mm-hmm. It might even be similar. It was Sarah and Hagar. Yeah, which I'm okay, right. To in oh, okay, just a okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Nope, you're fine. So, in none of those cases that I just mentioned, yeah. Does the text express any concern about the women themselves? Right. As you just said. Yeah. They function as pawns in larger narratives of violence. And that's how I viewed it so far. Yeah. It it definitely feels that way. And that's not, it runs counter to the Song Mm -hmm. of Solomon in that regard. Exactly. Exactly. So So for, for people to try to tell me, oh, Song of Solomon presents them as equals. I'm like, but that's a lie though. It right. Might, it, it might present it that way, but they're lying and you're lying if you want me to believe that that's what those people thought back then. Right. I've right. read too much to the contrary in your own goddamn book. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I should be happy with Song of Solomon's, but instead it has really pissed me off because it feels like such a lie and it yeah. feels like it's trying to trick me and say something that the Bible isn't saying. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm really offended over it. So now I want to move on to women as property. Yeah. Which you had talked about a little bit. Right. Um, with, in the case of Sarah and Hagar. Right. Um, that was back in Genesis again. Sarah brutalizes Hagar so severely that Hagar escapes while pregnant into the wilderness where her chances of survival are super slim. Yeah. Like she's definitely going to die. Right. When she returns to Sarah, she must submit herself to further oppression. And Sarah's wrongdoing is never even acknowledged. Right. Yeah. Well, because also slavery was an issue back then. Right. I mean, they called them servants, but let's just be honest, they were slaves. Right. And this woman was forced into this position. Hagar was um, what's-his-butt's second wife because Sarah couldn't have children. Right. And so the whole But it thing, didn't start off that way. It started off as her being a servant trying to have a child with was it Abraham? Yeah, it was I Abraham. Think, I think it was Abraham. Right. But then each of their handmaids were forced to bear his children as well. Right. H- Hagar was his second wife. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I got it. I, I remember that there was something along those lines, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Each All of right. their each of their handmaidens was became his concubines basically. Right. So he traveled with a harem and a bunch of Boys. Yeah, yeah. So in another case, moving forward through the Old Testament into Judges, the tribes of Israel decimate the tribe of Benjamin in civil war. You recall this? Yes. And then they were like, oh, shit, we accidentally wiped out too much of Benjamin. And now we are concerned that the tribe of Benjamin might not endure. Right. So in order to solve this problem, the soldiers of Israel conquer another region and massacre the population with the exception of 400 virgins who are given to the warriors of the tribe of Benjamin. Mm, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. And I was so fucking upset about that. Yeah. Like, it's just like, what? We just 
kidnapped these women and gave them to them. Right, what? right. What? That's just what you do. What? Right. But no, tell me more about the loveliness of the fucking maiden or bride or child in Song of Solomon. Yeah. And how women are equal. Well, and that, you know? that's, that's the thing is that God looked the other way apparently during all this because he seems to be like, if this is God's word, if this is the, the book of the Lord and all that, and this mm-hmm. is the way, right? Mm-hmm. God essentially condoned them murdering that other tribe, capturing the virgin women. And bringing them back to the tribe of Benjamin to populate that tribe. Right. That is sex slavery. Mm -hmm. And it is completely counter to anything that was portrayed as far as love or beauty that is in Song of Solomon. And and, and God apparently condones that. You know, so you can't be of both minds. You can't say that this is the way that women are to be treated and then do that. Right. Or do one and then be like, what? Women are equal. Right. They're not. They should be. They should be, yes, but they're not. Right. So moving forward into Numbers, Numbers provides a jealous husband with a ritual to determine whether his wife has been unfaithful to him. Yeah. No limitations are put upon the man. He may bring his wife to the priest to endure an ordeal whenever he desires. Mm. In this test, the wife is required to drink poison, which we read a short story about that with the the, the twins in our book club a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And if she survives without harm to her body, she's presumed innocent. Yay. Yeah. But the violence in this case is actually integrated into a religious ritual and Jewish law. Right. Harm to the woman is actually a religious ritual written in law. Also distrust of the woman. Yeah. You you are to implicitly trust the male's judgment over mm-hmm. the woman's judgment every single time. Yeah. And you According should, to the you Bible. You should basically always assume that your wife's a hoe. <laughs> I mean, ain't she though? Wait, you're saying it wrong. They're a honey-lipped, honey-lipped vixen. Well, yeah. You know, that's what they are. That was back then. Now, In the Bible. Now they're just hoes. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. I'm not a hoe, but even <laughs> if I was, fuck you, I can be if I want to. Right. Yeah. Is what it is. Exactly. But I would prefer that neither of us are hoes. Yeah. Right. So that's Definitely. the way we choose to live. Definitely. So even the hero Esther, whom we talked about a little bit earlier, she was forcibly taken into the king's harem and treated like property. Yes, that is true. And I mean, whether she liked it or not, you know, that's beside the point. She overcame somewhat and she was one of God's favorites, but that doesn't change the fact that she was forced into that position. Yeah. And not there because of love, not there because Mm -hmm. of anything good. She wasn't an equal, I could tell you that much. Yeah, no. When she was, like, trying to fit into the harem. Right, Fuck's sake. And it doesn't matter how much the king liked her or, or for that matter, how much she liked the king. She was not there by her choice. That was not her choice. Right. And she was trying to help her people after that. Yeah. So. Yeah. The whole thing just, ugh. Right. So violence was acceptable in all these cases because women are treated as property. Right. Okay. Yep. So let's talk a little bit more about women in biblical law. Which okay. Which we got into just a little bit. Yeah. So in Exodus, there's a death penalty that's only for female sorcerers, not men, even though both men and women practice sorcery and other forms of divination. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so definitely not equal right. and not treated the same. Right. Okay. Right. And that, again, was in law. Right. You know? Right. In Deuteronomy, if a man rapes a, wary, a married woman within a town, the woman is put to death alongside the perpetrator of the crime. She is spared only if the rape occurs out in the countryside where she cannot call out for help. I remember being upset 
about that. Right. And I remember saying, okay, girls, so if you are raped outside of town, the lesson here is to kill the dude that raped you and bring the body into town and say, what? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> or to, I'm sorry, to move them out of town. Yeah. If right. you're raped in town, move them out of town. So you'd be like, I called and called for help, but nobody could hear me. Yeah. That's how you get away with that. Right. According to Exodus, Israelite female slaves are not set free after six years of service, unlike the male slaves. Because, huh. you know, you got to fuck that. Right. Yeah. You, you know, set the men free. They're, yeah, but not the no women. Good. Yeah. Women are just, you know, they're, cattle, essentially. They are cattle even when they're not. Right. You know? Yep. So, moving forward... Let's talk more about how women just in general are subordinate to men. Not equals, for sure. Okay. Not equals. All right. Okay. Yep. Now, in the creation story, Eve is created from Adam's rib, and she is given to him as a helper. Right. right? Yep. This suggests that women are not created as equals to men, but rather as their, you know, helpmates. Right. Yes. Like, bring me a sandwich. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That thing. Yep. In the story of the Garden of Eden, of course, it is Eve who is tempted by the serpent and who eats the forbidden fruit, suggesting that women are more easily tempted than men and that they are the ones responsible for sin entering the world. Right. That's why we blame women and that's why, you know, it's women's fault. Yeah. Those honey-lipped vixens always eating apples. Right. In Numbers... A woman's vows are not valid unless they are approved by her father or husband. This suggests that women are not considered to be fully independent individuals and that they are subject to the authority of men. So again, not equals. In the laws of Moses, women are given way fewer rights than men. For example, a woman's testimony is worth only half that of a man's. And that's specifically stated in Deuteronomy. Wow. And a woman can be divorced by her husband for any reason. Wow. Yep. So not equal. Right. Yep. In Deuteronomy, again, a woman who is not a virgin on her wedding night is to be stoned to death. Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. This suggests that women are held, obviously, to a different standard of morality than men and that they are more severely punished for their sexual, quote unquote, transgression. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, no doubt about that. And I will leave it on that note because sexual transgressions... Is what this whole fucking story is about in right. Song of Solomon. Yeah. So I'm just like so irate that this story is in this book. And it celebrates this. And, and let's just take the let's just take Song of Solomon, you know, as it is read and say that it it is a beautiful ish poem about love and 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 the human body and mm-hmm. and quality and in love and different things like that there, there's definitely some themes in there that that could be presented as a good thing right mm-hmm. but when you compare it to how the bible treats women up until this point mm-hmm. you can't accept it as canon as part of the bible because it doesn't match up with how women get treated throughout the rest of the bible right if i had read this story in a bunch of other greek gatherings of literature i know i've already said this it wouldn't even be a blip on my radar. Right. It wouldn't bother me because a lot of their stories, they're male oriented, of course, but they don't usually talk about the subjugation of women. They usually talk about the adventures of men. Right. right. And the women at home waiting for them. Well, it almost feels like it was inserted in there as a way to contradict the 
the horrible way that women are treated in the Bible. And you say, but look at Song of Solomon. And I've They're seen equal. this. They're I've equal. seen this when I've done some research on myself on Song of Solomon and that people are like, but love is celebrated in the Bible. But women are celebrated in the Bible, but they're not. Right. You can't take this one fucking book that says nothing about God, that says nothing about biblical law, and take this and say, no, but women are beautiful and wonderful and treated well. See, it's in Song of Solomon. They're totally no, equal. It's not even supposed to fucking be there. Right. It's bullshit. And the rest of the Bible shows that it's bullshit. Right. Exactly. So that's a great place to end this discussion in that this book doesn't fucking go there and it is itself it's a, a fucking goddamn contradiction. contradiction. Husband. Wife. Do you know what today is? Well, it's Sunday, so we're either doing... No, we're not doing that. So that means we're doing... Sacrilegious Book Club. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, what do we have in store for us today? Well, we are still forever in the middle of a treasury of Jewish folklore, stories, traditions, legends, humor, wisdom, and folk songs of the Jewish people, edited by Nathan Ozubel. Okay. And uh, part one was Jewish salt. Part two was heroes. We are in the middle of part three, the human comedy. And chapter one was droll characters in which we learned about schnorrs and beggars and wags and wits and fools and simpletons and schlemels and schlemazels <laughs> and ignoramuses and pretenders. Right, right. And now we are in chapter two where we're going to learn about rogues and sinners and tricksters and rogues and and like, oh no, that was last week. Oh, that was so that's not, one. yeah, that's we're not We're still we're in chapter two, but we learned about rogues and sinners and tricksters and rogues. Okay, okay? got it. We're still in chapter two, but today we're going to do liars and braggarts and misers and stingy men and sinners. Okay, let's go, uh, let's go do it. Oh my, okie dokie. <laughs> Okay, we are over halfway through this book a little bit. Right. And we're on page 374. Okay. We're going to learn about liars and braggarts. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read this brief little intro. Okay. In rabbinical lore, there were four classes of evildoers who would be denied the joys of the world to come. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you can't do these things or you're not getting in. Got it. Okay. Yeah. They were the hypocrites, tailbearers, scoffers, and liars. Wow, Trump is definitely not going to fucking heaven. But you know what's not on that list and should be? What's that? Rapists, pedophiles, kitten killers. Well, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But but why why isn't that I, listed in evildoers? I don't know. I mean, I'd need more context, honestly. Right. right. So. Hmm. They were, oh yeah. However, the Jewish folk attitude toward liars, as reflected in its tales and sayings, was a great deal more tolerant. The liar, who is deceitful because of corrupt aims, is of course considered a rogue. Mm. So if you're like a mean liar, you're yeah. a rogue. Got and it. that's not good and they don't like that. Right. Yet there are liars and also braggarts who are recognized as being quite harmless, who tell untruths or exaggerate, not out of malice and evil intention, but out of sheer perverseness and imaginativeness or because of some childish compulsion. Okay. 
about right. such liars and braggarts, humorous Jewish lore makes merry. A liar should have good memory, it advises good-naturedly. That's fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's liars and then there's liars. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. So you want to be part of the first group, not the second group. Right. Definitely okay. not that second group. Yeah. Because it hurt my ears, mostly. Well, <laughs> I was trying to be emphatic. Right. All right. So the first little story that we're going to read is called Veracity. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the word veracity means? Um, uh, I think I do, but I don't want to, you know, not know and then be wrong. So, so instead, you're hedging your bets and saying, probably not. Right. I, I feel like it means like vitality. Like, nope. Um, uh, wrong. Tenacity. Nope. Wrong. No. Okay, I'm, I, was, I, I fucked it up. You did. It yeah. means truthfulness or honesty. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Like the I veracity failed. of your claim. I, oh, yeah. See, I have heard that before. I just. You couldn't put it in I context. Need, if it was in context, I would have known what it was. Okay. But I would have needed it Just in out of the blue. Out of the well, blue, Well, the yeah. fact that we're talking about liars didn't put that in context. It should have, but, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't. So. So veracity. Yeah. Truthfulness. Uh -huh. Honesty. Right. A poor Jewish farmer called on his more affluent neighbor to borrow his donkey. I'm sorry, neighbor, said the well-to-do farmer, but my donkey is over in the pasture now. At that very moment, the hee-haw of a donkey was heard coming from the stable. <laughs> what a foolish excuse to give me, said the poor farmer angrily. Why, your donkey has just brayed in its stall. The well-to-do farmer became offended. Oh, whom would you rather believe, he asked with dignity, the braying donkey or me? <laughs> <laughs> and that, to me, sums up the entirety of the Republican Party. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're like lying straight to your face and saying, why would you call me a liar? Right, yeah. Yeah. So next, um, we're going to read The Birds That Turn to Stone. Night. I made sure that I wrote myself a note that I want to read the note about this story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the birds that turn to stone is from Legends of Palestine. And I wanted to make sure that I stated that because of what's happening right now in um, the Palestinian and Israeli conflict. And right. I, I thought it was important to say, let's read a Palestinian story right now. Okay. okay. And I actually like this story. So you're sure it's a Palestinian story? It literally just said that. Well, I, but yeah, but sometimes people refer to Israel as the lands of Palestine because it's in that area. So it's it's from the Palestine. Okay, I'm yes. just just making sure. Yes. King Solomon, the wisest of mankind, the wisest, understood the language of the birds in the air, the beasts in the forest, the fowl in the barnyard, and the fish in the sea. Okay, okay? remember. Yeah. That wasn't specifically in the Bible, but that's something that I referenced before in another story that he's renowned for being able to speak the language of the animals right, as part of his right. great he's wisdom. Dr. Doolittle or something. Right. Right. He's got to push me, pull you in his backyard. Sure. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, oh my gosh. The push me, pull you. It's, um, I think it's like a horse or something, but it's got a head on both ends because oh. it's a push me, pull you, you okay. know? Okay. Like, it can go both ways. Got it. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Dr. Right. Doolittle, push me, pull you. No? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. That's the only thing I remember about him besides that he can speak to the animals. I don't think I ever watched the actual movies. I just know of Dr. Doolittle. I never watched so. the movies either. Oh. 
It's, okay. Do you know that it's based on a book series for kids? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's where I'm referencing it. From. Got it. Okay. Okay. One day he sat at the entrance to his palace on the Temple Mount, delighting in the bright sky and clear daylight. Before him, two cooing birds caressed each other, twittering merrily. As the king looked up, he heard one bird say to his spouse, Who is that man seated here? And she answered, This is the king whose name and fame fill the world. Then the bird answered in mocking pride, And do they even call him mighty? How is his power sufficient for all these palaces and fortresses? Did I so desire I could overthrow them in a second by fluttering one wing? <laughs> Dumb bird, right? right? Do you believe yeah. him? No. His spouse encouraged him, saying, Do so and show your valor and power if you have the strength to carry out your words. And Solomon, listening to the conversation in astonishment, signed to the bird to approach and asked him the cause of his overweening pride. Yeah. Terrified, the trembling bird answered the august king. Let my lord and king grant me forgiveness out of his loving kindness and goodness of heart. I am not but a poor, powerless bird who can do him no evil. All that I said was only to please my wife and raise myself in her esteem. That's a fair apology, I think. Like yeah. At least he was like coming clean and was like, I right. suck, bro. Right. And Solomon laughed to himself and sent the bird back to his spouse. She, meanwhile, stood on the roof and could not contain herself, waiting for her mate to return and tell her why the king had sent for him. When he came back, she asked excitedly, What did the king want? <laughs> and his chest swelling with pride, he answered, The king heard my words and entreated me not to bring destruction upon his court and not to carry out my purpose. <laughs> when Solomon heard this, he grew wroth with the brazen bird and changed them both into stone slabs. Wait, he was able to change people into stone, or birds into stone slabs? Apparently. Wow. Yeah. To warn others to refrain from vain bragging and empty boasting, and to teach women folk not to incite their chosen ones in their vanity to undertake foolish and foolhardy deals. <laughs> Can you believe that shit? <laughs> That's hilarious. Right? I was like, okay. Then. I just have to point out that there was nothing about Palestine in that shirt in that story. I didn't say there was. Oh, okay. I just said it was a Palestinian story. I don't. Okay. It said so. No, it said it was from a book called Land of Palestine. Oh. Which could mean Israel. Oh. And it doesn't well, have anything to do with Palestinians. Oh well, I wanted to just I was trying support to the out. Palestinian people real bad. Yeah, so. I don't think that's what that was. Well, sorry. I'm just, I just wanted to make sure that was clear. My heart's in the right place. Yeah. My brain is just dumb. <laughs> All right, moving on. Page 378, The Orphan. Okay? Okay, yeah. This is real short. Got it. A rich man who was a miser was once asked to give a donation to buy matzos for the poor. He gave a trifling sum to the committee. Your son, who is a poor man, has given more generously than you, he was told ironically. How can you compare me to my son, he replied. He has a father who's a rich man. I have no father at all. This <laughs> <laughs> is so stupid, right? Right, yep. Okay, the miser. Same page, 378. The ailing miser needed the aid of a specialist, yet the fees appalled him. $25 for a first visit and ten for subsequent visits. Yet it was life or death, and besides, he had an inspiration. Mm. 
As he entered the doctor's inner office, the miser exclaimed, Well, doctor, here I am again. So that he could get the repeat instead of the first visit. Right. The doctor examined the patient with great thoroughness, then said, And as for the treatment, just um, continue the same as before. (laughs) (laughs) I see your lion raise you one. (laughs) All right. Now we're entering sinners. Um, you know, I uh, listed off several right. uh, little sections. Yep. Um, this one has its own little intro. Okay. So we're going to read part of it. Got it. Okay. The sinner is dealt with almost gently in Jewish belief and in folklore. This is due to the ages old cultivation among Jews of a scorn for self-righteousness. The pious man says about an evildoer, even if he has been victimized by him, let God judge him. Or if in anger he should speak harshly of him, he hastens to add, may God not punish me for my words. Unless, of course, you're one of the people that you're supposed to stone to death in the streets. Right. I mean, I'm right. just saying that's a thing. Yeah. So I'm having a problem reconciling this with what we know. <laughs> right. I think they mean like current Jews and not like the Israelites. Well, but even at that, I think there is like, legitimately like they're not meant to like actually harm people but there's people that sell stones in the streets of israel to like you know like they're like foam stones to like stone to pretend stone people or whatever Are you serious yeah like i've heard I, I don't know where i heard that but i've heard stories about oh my they actually God. like so it's it's a thing you know like stoning let's they pre- recognize it even let's pretend to stone people that sounds right real fun. right yeah absolutely not sir yeah cool There is a layer of mellow humanism in Jewish thought, secular as well as religious, which shrinks from harsh strictures against the misconduct of others. Live and let live is its benign attitude. This springs no doubt from a practical realism, which starts out with the fundamental recognition that men are not angels and that everybody has his weaknesses and limitations. Yeah. It seems to apply to men and not women is what I'm getting, though. (laughs) In Jewish folk humor, the sinner gets a merry ribbing, but no more. Frequently, he is contrasted with scoffing hilarity to the overpious saint. And we will read some of that in the next couple things. Got it. Surprisingly enough, he gets the better end of the treatment here. Hmm. The bad guy, not the good guy. Right, right. And this, not because he is considered an admirable character, far from it. He serves merely as a convenient pretext to shoot a barbed arrow at the holier-than-thou men who expect heavenly rewards for their virtue. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, appropriate for today's day and age, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, As such, these jokes about sinners and saints have served as an excellent corrective in Jewish life. For they preach the doctrine of the golden mean and warn against fanaticism. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. We can use some of those warnings mm-hmm. for sure. So I like this one. Saint and Sinner on page 380. Okay. A rich man who was a profligate, a souse, and a lecher died in a certain town. The entire community mourned his death and followed his hearse to his last resting place. What a wailing, what a lamentation was heard as his coffin was lowered into the grave. In the recollection of the oldest inhabitant, no rabbi or sage had ever departed this life amidst such general sorrow. 
mm, for okay. a profligate, a souse, and a lecher. He yeah. got that much um, tears and whatnot. Right, right. Okay? Yeah. It chanced that on the following day, another rich man died in the town. He was just the opposite of the first in character and manner of living. He was ascetic and dined on practically nothing but dry bread and turnips. He had been pious all the days of his life and sat all the time in the house of study, poring over the Talmud. Nevertheless, no one except his own family mourned his death. His funeral passed almost unnoticed, and he was laid to rest in the presence of only a handful. A stranger, who happened to be visiting in the town at the time, was filled with wonder and asked, Explain to me the riddle of this town's strange behavior. It honors a profligate, yet ignores a saint. Right. right? That's right. a fair question. Yeah. To this, one of the townsmen replied, Know that the rich man who was buried yesterday, although he was a profligate and a drunkard, was the leading benefactor of the town. He was easygoing and merry and loved all the good things in life. Practically everybody in this town profited from him. He'd buy wine from one, chickens from another, geese from a third, and cheese from a fourth. And being kind-hearted, he'd pay well. That's why he is missed and we mourn after him. But what earthly use was that other one, the saint, to anybody? He <laughs> lived on bread and turnips and no one ever made a dime on him. Believe me, no one will miss him. <laughs> I just thought that was pretty great, right? Yeah. We all love the party dude. Right. All right, moving on to page 383, filial love. Do you know what filial means? No. Well, I'll just let you tell me in the end. Okay. 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 A rich man, having confidence in his son, gave him all his property in his lifetime. After a while, the son commenced to neglect his father, ill-treating him and sending him away to be among the beggars. Could you do that to your dad? Do send him to send your dad? Yeah. Away to be among beggars? Yeah. No. That's what I'm saying. There's a rich man and he sent his dad away. He like gave all of his money and stuff Got to it. his son. Okay. One day, the old man, clad in tatters, met his grandson and asked him to beg his father to let him have a mantle to cover himself as it was so cold. After much begging, the father sent his son up to the loft and told him to fetch a certain mantle which was hanging on a hook. While on the loft, the boy took a knife and cut the mantle in half. Okay. The father, wondering what the boy was doing all that time, went to find out. The son told him that he had been busy cutting the mantle in half and added that he would give his grandfather one half and keep the other half for when his own father grew old. <laughs> the man was greatly surprised at this reply and, recognizing the wickedness of his action, took his father back and treated him with all honor. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we all get old someday. Right, right. right? Yep. Yeah. Um. I believe that is it. Oh, you wanted to know what filial meant. Yeah. It meant father and son relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't get that? No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just have that vocabulary. Yeah. So anyway, that is it for today. All right. Sounds good. Well, that was our Sacrilegious Book Club. Sacrilegious Book Club. For today. And... uh we will have our weekly wrap up here in just a little bit that'll be put out 
And then tomorrow we'll be back starting... Isaiah chapter one. All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Hey, wife, I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh, my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Ooh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.